This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, three fierce deities on a diet, Nick White. Hey. Paul Jaceley. Hello, humanoids. And our very special guest for this episode, Brandon Ingram. Hey there. Thank you all for joining me this week. I'm very excited to talk about comic books. Um, I was saying before we started recording that it is Pokemon Community Day, and I should be out there. I should be walking around, getting my shiny Pokemon catch on, and I'm not right now because I love this show, okay? So if you're listening to this, I'm making sacrifices for you. Uh, But we have a special guest here uh, that I want to welcome back to the show. Brandon, you were on before to promote your uh, Disney Avenue comic books that came out earlier. Today, you're here to promote another Kickstarter that you have going on. So before we jump into talking about comics, could you give the folks at home a little spiel about who you are and what you've got going on right now. Yeah, so my name is Brandon Ingram. I basically run my own publishing line called Disney Comics. And the specific comic that I've been working on lately is Tales from Town City number one. Best way to describe it is it's kind of golden age superhero dark comedy. Uh, It follows two homeless villains trying to use expired coupons. One of them has hypnotism powers, but it's very weak hypnotism powers trying to use it in a convenience store. Other one is a mortician trying to make sense of dead villains' names, specifically like the animal-based names when characters don't really look like that animal or sound like an animal. And then the last one, Fierce Pets. Pets stands for Precise Ecosystemic Tactical Squad. It's a team of super animals (laughs) that slaughter poachers. And that's that's the gist of the comic, basically. Great. Grant Morrison would be proud. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, I'm looking forward. We should uh, to, to checking out your Kickstarter that you have running. But before we talk any further about that, we have to get to these legally mandated questions that I have. And that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? I'm going to pitch right over to you, Nick. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Michael. Speaking of uh, sacrifices being made, uh, I just want to, you know... Uh, put forward that uh, this is this is also happening for me. We are in the middle of the Detroit Lions game because <laughs> it is now fall. Uh, Michigan weather watch leaves have not yet turned. It's cloudy. It's rainy. It's gross. And it's that time of the year where I'm just leaning into my divorced dad energy. Um, <laughs> and that means that I have I have tethered my mood. I have tethered my mood, my well-being okay to the fortunes of a sports team and uh you know my uh i might only get to see the kids on the weekends but it's the same thing with the detroit lions so uh <laughs> here we are oh my god daddy oh dvr the games don't touch them um <laughs> nick i swear to god if you don't start talking about comic books i'm ending this show right now please oh man so uh only uh, I'm only accepting Detroit Lions score updates if they win. And also nobody gets oh, to God. talk about uh, this morning's F1 race because I haven't seen that either. So both topics are verboten. <laughs> Beyond that, I have actually read some comics. Mm-hmm. little peek behind the curtain. Mike Rappin said, uh, if you talk about this book, you're going to talk about this book forever. So uh, let's just prove him wrong here. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I say to myself. I'm going to talk about a book briefly in a second that I've already talked about before. And it's like, Nick, are you going to plug something new? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, also, I want to talk about Box of Light, Volume 1. This is a manga series. It's by Seiko Irasawa. It's coming out from Seven Seas. It's basically a manga about a 7-Eleven store that exists on that liminal space between life and death. So it's 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 a convenience store for those experiencing near-death experiences or something along those lines. Uh, And it's sort of quaint and interesting. And if you sort of like that Miyazaki feeling of the mundane coexisting alongside the 
fantastical. Um, I think it really fits in that same niche. Check it oh, out. Yeah. I, I've seen the cover for this book. It's been on my like, what even is this? I must read it kind of yeah. list. Yeah. So I'm I'm partway through volume one. And I'm enjoying it so far. I would definitely tell people, check that out. Uh, and then the other bigger thing I want to talk about, much like last time, is Enfield Gang Massacre number two. Of course, this is the team of writer Chris Condon, art by Jacob Phillips, color assists by Pip Martin. Um, story-wise, second issue really doesn't usher the reader through any sort of intricate plot twists or anything. But, you know, this is a cowboy shoot em up to some degree at this point. And uh, so the pages are more lined with muzzle flares and shell casings than plot twists this time. Um, of course, the Enfield gang, as we recall from the end of the first issue, um, uh, Enfield was accused of murdering the town's banker. And now the rounded up posse is going after Enfield and his gang. And it's just 22 pages or 24 pages or what, how, whatever, however many pages of just gunfights. 32. Um, I, yeah. I checked it because I just read this last night and yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I, yeah, I love awesome. I, I, I'm obsessive in that I keep track of not only how long the books are that I read, but also yeah. like my star ratings and when I read them and stuff, because uh, <laughs> it's fun to have stats. This book, <laughs> however, 32 pages. I wish it was 48. I wish it was 64. I, sure. This is one of the rare books that I would pay $10 for um, as a single issue. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, um, but it, obviously it flows quick. And that's to not just the fact that it's mostly people hiding behind tables and shooting guns at each other. <laughs> um, it's There's a really ease and great flow to the artwork. Uh, and again, I said it last time, but I think it's just as true here. As great as Phillips' art is, honestly, I think his color work really um, shines. 100%. And w when you look at the fact that he was, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he really broke into comics first as his dad's colorist. Mm -hmm. before yeah. he even started penciling um i think that shows he has a real interest in like sort of uh like purples and and pinks um that he likes to bathe different scenes in and and really give a interesting mood to things and um just really really interesting i love this book i know danny is just going to die inside when he hears this again but there's pros at the back you probably <laughs> should read it the prose it's, is amazing. It's yes. I've, I hate the X-Men prose now. It's something that I like skip over. Um, I love the back matter of these Enfield gang massacre issues because they tell such an intricate, interesting journalistic story. It's fantastic. It's so well done. Yeah. And, and sort of that final line of the prose where, um, you know, Chris Condon writes something along the lines of, you know, so-and-so would be the only one to survive that night in July 19, yeah. 1875. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> so it's just a really interesting way to read this, you know, quote-unquote newspaper article written over 100 years after the events happened. So you're simultaneously getting the event as it happens and also mm -hmm. a retrospective 100 years later. So right. it's really interesting to sort of see it from limited perspectives and then sort of omniscient perspectives concurrently. The only one thing I will say about that book that I think in terms of like, I've got this ongoing question, and I think I said it last time, which is, is there a supernatural or mystical element going on in this book? And mm -hmm. I certainly feel like that was true in that Texas blood. And I sort of had this ongoing theory from that Texas blood that 
is this town continually cursed? Is this area continually cursed? And mm-hmm. the beginning of issue two begins with this weird dream sequence. And mm-hmm. I, sometimes a dream is just a dream. I, I'm not so sure I believe that with this, with this issue. You have like this weird chasm that shows up in the dream and this hmm. shadowy gunman with this big grin. And, and I, I think there's something there. I'm just mm-hmm. waiting for that to get unpackaged. So um, another great time. If you're not reading this book, what are you doing? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. This book is easily one of the best image books being published right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I don't know if you, if you don't like Westerns, I guess I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, like. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, let's let's move on. Brandon, uh, what have you been reading? How have you been doing pretty good? I recently started reading Rogues. I've had this since December and finally took off the sure. plastic yesterday. Uh, nice. <laughs> I finally started reading it. I'm halfway through it. I'm enjoying it. It's not a great book. It's not amazing, but it is a really good story. Uh, Joshua Williamson, I feel like sales wise, I don't think this probably did amazing because at the Mm -hmm. time he was writing Batman and and doing all kinds of other stuff. You had infinite crisis going on while this was being put out because it's black label. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a good time for those that don't know. It follows Captain Cold, you can see him on the cover. You got the whole gang. Follows Captain Cold. This is 10 years in the future. This is ultimately a what if book, but it's 10 years in the future where he got in a lot of trouble and now he's on the straight and narrow, but his life ultimately sucks because Mm -hmm. uh, uh, like he has parole boards always on his back and stuff. He can barely move up in his job, that sort of stuff. And he ultimately gets the gang back together. He gets a group of rogues back together. Not the whole rogues gallery that you see in the flash, but some of them as well as some newcomers like bronze tiger, but interesting story. Ultimately it's one last heist, one last job. Like this will be the one that, that sets us free where we'll have tons of money. We'll be able to do whatever we want. And it's interesting because the heist is going to gorilla city. And supposedly he heard 10 years ago that there is there's gold in them jungles there's gold in them jungles i'm going to go to gorilla city and find that gold uh and so that's the heist is them going to gorilla city and getting that gold and it's it's interesting so far i'm liking it so far yeah dude that book is so much fun um you're you're making me want to reread it. I I like you said, it's not like the greatest book you've ever read, yeah, but yeah. boy is it good. It's really really oh, fun. Yeah. Strangely enough, I feel like that's how I've seen a lot of Joshua Williamson's DC work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's all it's all good. Like there are yeah, no, yeah. there's nothing below 3 stars in Joshua Williamson's books, but I don't feel like anything hits that like five star. Like I think this I'd is agree. this is that top tier shit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but Rogues is good. I really like that one. Yeah, it's an enjoyable time so far. That's awesome. Uh, Paul, Nick, did you guys get a chance to read this at all? I figured Paul, you were giving a couple nods, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't read it. It's been on my my list. I know now it's collected. I should probably go track it down. But like, yeah. I mean, I've always liked the Rogues. I mean, I love the Flash, but the Rogues are almost more interesting than the Flash himself a lot of ways like that totally. team has always been kind of fascinating to me so yeah that's i'll bump that up further on my to read list the, the, that trade is, or that collected hardcover is huge it's too nice. right because it's <laughs> yeah. the magazine size and they're they're really nice. nice i grabbed that one and like i also grabbed uh one dark night and the Catwoman lonely city like they're really cool yeah. shelf units to just like see because they the printing's really good like 
I don't know, everything about the DC Black Label stuff is like, this is good comic shit, oh, yeah. right? Whereas yeah. I feel like most mm-hmm. trade treat- treatments is they're really garbage and they're flimsy because they're just mass printed. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I feel like they actually gave some care to the to the black label stuff. So yeah, eventually I'll nice. get that Wonder Woman Dead Planet. But uh, but yeah, all oh, that black label yeah. stuff. Looks I've fun. already read it, but I want the collection. Though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh For yeah. Sure. Um, well, cool. Let's bounce over to you, Paul. How have you been? How have comic books been? Uh, you know, as Nick hinted, uh, here in West Michigan, we're getting the first hints of fall. The autumn season is happening. It's soup season. I'll probably make some soup later today. Uh, <laughs> nice. So uh, it's a good time to just stay indoors and read some comics. That's what I've kind of been doing the past couple of weeks. Um, catching up on my massive stack of stuff that I've gotten from the shop. A few things that stood out I want to mention. One which I actually got from the library recently, and that's the book Trinity, the graphic history of the first atomic bomb. Originally published back in 2012, it's the first comic by Jonathan Fetter Vorm. And obviously, I saw this on the shelf and grabbed it because I you know, just recently saw Oppenheimer, just like everyone else. And um, what's interesting is like, whereas Oppenheimer is very much a biography, this book is just about the bomb itself. It's very technical. It goes into a lot of the, the scientific aspects. It was a nice refresher. If It's been a long time since I was in chemistry 101. So it's kind of a nice refresher of like what isotopes are and like what, you know, how atoms work. So like that being said, it's much more technical in the art style. I like the art style. It's very black and white, um, but it's more like an illustrated essay versus a narrative story. That makes sense. Mm. It's very text heavy at points. Who's explaining the the intricacies of how the bomb works. Oppenheimer isn't the main focus. I mean, it's obviously obviously there, but it's not about him so much as about the bomb itself, which Mm -hmm. I kind of liked. I mean, um, if you're like me and maybe wish there'd been more about the bomb making and less about men in room yelling at each other in Oppenheimer, (laughs) like this is a nice little like comparison companion piece. So, um, I enjoyed it. It got more technical, like I said, and it's kind of like the end of the book, does a nice sort of like, um, you know, thought experiment, like how the bomb actually changed world politics, changed the way the world functions. It's it's very yeah. almost esoteric at the end, kind of focusing on the consequences of the first atomic bomb. So again, it's a nice companion piece. If you liked Oppenheimer, want maybe more technical view of the bomb itself, worth tracking down. I'm glad I found it at the library. So I don't know if Jonathan uh, Federer Vorm has done anything else. I didn't really look up uh, his bibliography or anything, but mm-hmm. I'd be curious to kind of see what else he's done since this book came out. So yeah, it's a nice little find. Yeah, it looks like he also did a book on Apollo 11, according to there my go. quick Google yeah. search. Oh, I've read that. That's really good. That's really, really good. Oh, there nice. you go. Cool. Perfect. Um, I was going to say, Paul, are you following this up by reading Jonathan Hickman's Manhattan Projects? I mean, I feel like that's the next natural step, <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah, yeah uh, maybe I should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. If well, you want to go a, insane, you know, <laughs> let if us you know. Wanted a, you know, wanted more of the science. Yeah, I think that's yes. clearly the, the, the book to pick <laughs> yeah, up. Definitely sure. not just sure. about like a bunch of mad alternate universe crazy people uh, building scientific uh monstrosities i guess is the word i'd use um (laughs) i don't know uh well let me let me quickly talk about a book uh that i read or two books i should say um i read delicious in dungeon uh, 11 and 12 this has been a wild week and like i didn't read anything up until like the last two days um but i decided to just go like head first into some books that i've been putting out for a long time particularly delicious in dungeon volumes 11 and 12 this is by ryoko kui uh i finally got caught up on this like i've been sitting on these two volumes for probably a year and a half now because they put out like one volume every nine months because that's how month 
monthly manga works. And a quick summary for those of you not paying attention at home um, who have been hearing me talk about this book for easily like three or four years. Uh, Leos, Marcel, and Chilchuck are dungeon delving adventurers who have broken away from their larger party in order to save Leos' sister, Phelan, who has been either killed or captured by a dragon. The problem is she's very deep in this dungeon and they don't have any money for provisions. Leos gets the idea to eat the monsters that they kill in the dungeon and everyone reluctantly agrees after uh, they come across a dwarf named Senshi who's been living in the dungeon for a really long time, eating the ever-respawning monsters. The group joins up, and they go deep into the dungeons facing and cooking monsters along the way, and it's a fantasy food manga. So it's it's more food manga than fantasy in the first, like, half dozen volumes. And then it becomes more fantasy adventure in the latter half. But in volumes 11 and 12, the thing that I was so surprised by is that if these at these very epic these are the most powerful people in this story coming together and all of the characters that we've met over the past 12 volumes are finally coming to a head they somehow still managed to make it about food and i really really appreciated that like the dedication to the original goofy idea is still there um i was really worried that volume 12 was going to be the end of the series given the direction that volumes 11 and 12 were going where like all of these massive changes have happened they've finally accomplished one major goal in order to exchange it for another major goal and then a big thing happened in volume 11 and i promise you i'm not trying to be weird about this i'm just not trying to spoil it because it's a pretty fun interesting story um but yeah this volume 13 may be the end and i honestly wouldn't be mad about that because i feel like we've gotten an extreme amount of lore for a series that's been coming out for five or six or seven years um that's very funny and very wholesome and always makes me smile like it's always full of gags and goofs and really fun character moments and uh yeah i don't know i i just love how like i said after 12 volumes this book that has totally blown up in proportion going from oh we're just going into a dungeon to eat some monsters has turned into this massive like there's a world ending experience that these four dummies need to prevent by making food somehow <laughs> like it's it's still i don't know it's very very fun so if you're looking for a fun series like 12 volumes are out it's really really good but the problem is like i said you only get a new volume about every nine to ten months so that's like mm -hmm. the only real downside of the series otherwise it's one of the most beautiful manga you can purchase isn't there an animated series on the way too? Yeah, and I, I think they are going to do an animated series. And I did, you can't see it, I guess, in the camera angle right now, but behind me, there's also a cookbook that they put out that I purchased. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, which yeah. is full of like real world comparisons where Senshi, the, d the dwarf, who's actually like the really professional cook who knows how to make all this food, says, if you don't happen to have like Kelpie skin, you can use salmon skin instead. <laughs> like, you know, wow. replacing all these fantasy animals with real life an analogies. So it's a fun series. Um, I really, really love it. And I was glad to finally sit down and read 11 and 12. Like, there's a lot of, lot of story for, to this. So, like, if you're not reading it in like quick succession, a lot of the threads can get lost. So, I actually went back and I read a couple chapters from the previous volume in volume 10 to get myself caught up to 11 so that I could read that in order to read 12. So, like, it was a whole situation that I had, but it's really good. And I, I still love this series. But yeah, I guess uh, we'll jump back over to you, Nick. Uh, and I want to hear what else you've been reading. Yeah. I mean, just to piggyback on what you said, like, I've, I've had a similar problem. Like, I feel like volumes maybe one through nine or one through ten of delicious in dungeon you could afford to wait nine months read the next volume and you were kind of be able to jump right back in it but like mm -hmm. ever since like 10 onwards it's gotten so uh lore heavy that i i feel like some level of a reread is going to be necessary for me because i'm like yeah. two volumes back and yeah i tried to read the last volume without doing any rereading and I was with half of the characters. I was like, who, who, 
who who are you again? Yeah. <laughs> After um, like volume so. six, you like get an entire new dozen characters that you need to also keep track of, which right. is the problem that like a lot of like long running manga run into. Like God help you if you can list more than fifty characters from One Piece because there's hundred and fifty and they're all main characters. So and this like book doesn't kill people off. Right. So. And they also don't kill anybody <laughs> off. Yeah. Well, they kill people. Well, they kill people, but then they're not actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole it's a whole <laughs> dead. Thing. Dead people don't stay dead in this book for 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 reasons you'll mm. discover if you if you pick it up. Gotcha. Anyways, Nick, what else you've been reading? Uh, well, uh, in a blast from the past from maybe about seven or eight years ago, I read Mech Cadet U Volume One. Uh, this mm. is written by Greg Pak. Uh, illustrations by Takeshi Miyazawa, uh, colors by Triona Farrell, letters by Simon Boland. Uh, this is a Boom Studio series that launched in August of 2017, concluded the following year. Uh, it spanned 12 issues that would were collected in three volumes. Um, I didn't read it at the time because it seemed like everyone else was having a really good time with it. And just the word of mouth was generally positive. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stay away from this book. Um, just got to leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> my general policy is to read things either the day they come out or about 12 years later. That's sort right, of yeah. my mm-hmm. like ideal window. Um, you know, there's no real award for second place. There's like an award for like 37th place where <laughs> sure. you're just so out of it that you're like, hey, I just found this book. I have no idea what it's about. Right. Um, so, you know, I just don't want to be a... a you know, that second place person. So I found out about this because my friend Elle was back home visiting some family and her dad's like a big sci-fi junkie. And she's like, God, my dad just won't stop watching this show called Met Cadets. I'm like, Met Cadets? Where have I heard that before? That's the flashback sequence going on. <laughs> and I was like, gosh, could this Netflix series and the similarly titled comic be linked? Um, but it's a mystery we'll never we'll We'll never get to the bottom of. We're never going to solve this. Um, I'm going to round up some investors, and we're all mm-hmm. going to go in on affording a single Netflix subscription because I need to raise capital for that. Because I mean, right. you got you guys have seen how much that costs these days. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe at that point, we'll learn. Um, all, all joking aside, I just finally got around to reading it. It's a really great all ages read. And I feel like all ages gets thrown around in such a bullshitty fashion these days where it's like, well... Um, you know, your 12 year old can read it and, and probably won't be traumatized. And I guess if you're over the age of 12, you're probably also literate. So you could in theory, read it. It's all ages, right? (laughs) Right, Like people throw that around where it's like, it's like, it's like a more a question of functional literacy than it is like, are you all going to take something away from this? Mm -hmm. I feel like this book actually does deliver on providing something that's entertaining, but also not like super, super mature so that teenagers could maybe get in on it. And older readers will likely appreciate, if anything else, uh, the art by Miyazawa is fantastic. The mech designs are wonderful. Uh, Farrell's artwork is very, very colorful. Obviously, with a lot of stuff involving mechs, it can tend to get sort of gray and, and browns and all sort of like metal colors. And yet it's very colorful very bright book. Just say you hate Gundam. It's fine, Nick. <laughs> it's okay. And now I'm going to go into my full synopsis of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, <laughs> finally, finally. <laughs> finally, if the truth comes out. No, but uh, it's it's just really enjoyable. I mean, sort of follows this kid named Yu. He's at this place where they train these mech 
uh, cadets because every like four years, these mechs come down from the, you know, galaxies away and they bond with these mech cadet kids. And, but he doesn't think he's going to get one because he just works in like the janitorial staff at this place where these met cadets live and work, but he gets one and that causes problems with the other kids, um, et cetera, et cetera. Tale as old as time, you know, rusty and big guy, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Pacific Rim. There's nothing wrong with those stories. This is the thing, No, no, Giant fucking robots are cool as shit. I mean, right. (laughs) Right. I don't care who you are. I think that's a universal truth. Everybody thinks Mm -hmm. giant robots are cool. Yeah. Yeah, so if you don't like giant robots, just uh, let us know. So Give us can, a shoot us an email. IRC so we can podcast start a new page for the website called right, the right. "Does Not Like Giant Robots" shit list, and we right. can just <laughs> name and shame. Um, <laughs> no, I've, so you, I've enjoyed it so far. I'm gonna read the rest. It's on Comicsology Unlimited for those who are interested. The whole thing is on there, so you nice. can just read it all. "Quote unquote for, for free, free. <laughs> heavy quotes. unquote yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well uh, let's talk about something completely different um Brandon what else have you been reading you told us before we started recording and I can't believe the title of this book yeah so I'll first show this is like a variant cover I love the cover just kind of like the inks basically so the comic nice. for those wanting to know it's called Hamilton versus Burr a werewolf tale um. <laughs> and here's the thing it's not a comedy you would think by the name it's going to be like some b comedy or whatever it's actually very good uh the art is okay the art is not the standout thing here ultimately the story is really what got me like going through this the art is okay the story is very interesting because it literally takes place like historical time frame But what if Alexander Hamilton got a werewolf curse? And (laughs) it's basically like all this like historical, like in the back of the book, there's like, I'll I'll show there's, there's like these timelines, there's like dates and all this stuff that actually happened in real life. All this stuff that connects to the book. Like you see these Mm -hmm. points in the book, but the book's kind of like, this is happening. What, what if Hamilton had a werewolf curse during this time. <laughs> it's just great. Well, I'm, Even- I'm just glad it really it picks up on those unresolved plot points from the musical, you know, that right, they really right. just left exactly. hanging and you're like, well, let's resolve this. And also, yeah. if you don't want to listen to a two hour and 45 minute musical, you can just read like a 15, 20 minute comic. Um <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything that lets me bypass musicals, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah, I'm Nick yeah. sold. Yeah, but it, it's it's... It's a good time. It, it is a good time. Uh, very inventive as well as like spoiler alert to some degree for hundreds of years of, of history. Hamilton <laughs> <laughs> Hamilton uh, gets in a duel with Burr right. and, and Burr does kill Hamilton. In this though, it, it, it the whole narrative is like building up of like, Burr knew about the werewolf curse before, like like something that happened in his in, in his youth. And the whole story just building up is like Burr trying to like prevent Hamilton from harming his his family or harming others and right. stuff. And it just kept going and kept going to where in real life you have Hamilton like 
writing all these like hit pieces against Burr, like Burr's bad sure. person, all this stuff, all while Burr is like <laughs> trying to like prevent him from harming anyone as a werewolf to where it leads sure. to the duel. And and it's it's interesting how the duel turns out uh, all from literal history, but throw in werewolf curse. Right. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it works. Amazing. It works with the, the ending of it being with a silver bullet is, is kind of perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. How, how did you come across this book? I, I Out of curiosity. So I actually came across it because I've been doing like conventions this year and I went to one recently okay. and the writer, Jared Albright, he had his books there and I saw that and I bought it and I didn't really think anything much at the time. And then I like started reading. I was like, holy crap, like, this is really good how you're able to take literal historical events and just throw in this mm-hmm. wild fantasy aspect to it. And it still line up to where it's like, this is weird. This is really cool. Yeah, that's that's fun, man. I nice. I feel like there's there there have been books like this yeah, in the past, yeah. right? Like the you know Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Yeah. I think there's a a uh, Sojourner Truth like Zombie Slayer or something like yeah, that yeah. that's going out right now. Um, I'm I'm glad that there that these books exist because it's fun and it's maybe informative. Maybe it'll get someone to go, huh? <laughs> what actually happened to these historical people? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that's great. Um, well, let me. Uh, let me pitch things over to uh, to Paul. What's uh, sure. what's one more book you've been reading? Um, I read the first three issues of Weird Work. This is a four issue miniseries from Image Comics, uh, written by Jordan Thomas, art by Shaky Kane, letters by Nathan Kempf and Frank Jakovic. Um, like I said, it's a four issue miniseries. I just had had the first three issues. I hadn't read them yet, so read them all kind of in a go to kind of get caught up. I really initially pulled this because I really like Shaky Kane's artwork. If you're not familiar, yeah. uh, it's kind of reminds me of Mike Allred, but with a much heavier Kirby influence. Bright colors, heavy line work. You know, everything's got a very specific weight to it. And this is basically a noir style detective story, but it's set in a futuristic sci-fi world called Stellar City. So every character is basically like some weird alien looking creature. And again, it's very Kirby influenced designs to everything. Uh, there's a lot of futuristic tech. There's invisibility suits. At the same time, it's basically like a gritty gangland murder mystery that the detective's trying to solve. So the main character is a detective uh, named Ovra Sauce. Um, and you get introduced to him. He's clearly sort of off his game a little bit. He's get called back in. There's flashbacks of some incident that happened in the past. You're not quite clear exactly what happened, but he kind of blames himself for some incident. Um, and he's investigated to find, investigate a murder where uh, his former partner is one of three people that's found dead in a warehouse under mysterious circumstances. So he's trying to unpack um, this underground crime network that's also involved in a drug uh, cartel. He finds out his former partner might have been as up on the up and up as he assumed. He might have been involved, might have been dirty in the whole situation. So it's very funny to read like a very, again, gritty noir crime story, like something you read in mm-hmm. Criminal, like a Ed Brubaker comic, but it's drawn like a weird sci-fi Kirby comic. Right, uh, it's very right. fun, very tongue-in-cheek. Every name the characters have are very like over-the-top and ridiculous. It's always okay. kind of cool to see the the character designs. There's one character who's like basically this big hulking gangster, but he's got two heads. You always kind of see him like silhouette in the background and stuff. So it was like, oh, it's that guy with two heads. Like, And it's like just part of the world that they live in. So right, right. Uh, it's a four-issue miniseries. I feel like the last issue is going to have to resolve a lot. Like, I feel there's a lot of dangling threads by the end of issue three, but mm-hmm. I'm really surprised how much I enjoyed it. Again, I pulled it mainly because of the artwork, 
But I was sitting, I you know, I was sitting at the bar the other night reading all these three issues. By the end of issue three, I was like, man, I cannot wait for issue four to come out. So think about next month. So I'll, I'll report back on how it concludes. But I was really surprised how much I enjoyed this series so far. So that's weird work by uh, Jordan Thomas and Shaky Kane. Yeah, that sound that sounds super fun. It reminds me yeah. a little bit of Alan Moore and Gene Ha's top ten. I don't know yeah. if you ever read that, but like, yeah, oh yeah. man, like what a series, like Mm -hmm. taking the idea of superheroes and sci-fi bullshit and then adding like just the beat cop. We've got to solve these mysteries, detective shit to it. It's so fun. Um, This sounds probably a little bit more fun than top 10. I feel like top 10 is like very serious about what it's doing. And it sounds like this has a little bit more tongue in cheek in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little sillier at times, a little goofier. And, but the, the way that Thomas writes the dialogue between over sauce and his new partner, it's like that mm-hmm. classic, like noir crime novel sort of dialogue where it's all very black humor, like a lot of tongue in cheek stuff. It's, it's mm-hmm. really well done. So yeah, it's, it's once it's all collected, it might be worth checking out for kind of, if you like noir stuff, it wants to be a little bit different. Oh yeah. yeah. This sounds right up my alley. I'm very excited to, to probably grab a collected edition to this. Um, Let me talk about one more book, and then we'll take a quick break here. Um, I sat down and finally read The He-Man Effect, How American Toymakers Sold You Your Childhood. This is the newest uh, Box Brown book. Uh, It's basically another good one from Box Brown. Like, I don't know. I feel like every time I pick up one of his books, I'm very rarely disappointed in any way. I think, like, maybe the weakest book I've read of his recently was the the Putin book that he did with Andrew Weiss. Um, It was okay, but again, I box is not on writing so like maybe that's part of it i also feel like the putin book had to step around a lot of things to not like make a lot of bold claims that were unfounded which i appreciated so um maybe that's that but anyways this book is fantastic this he-man book um it's really about how advertising since the 50s has co-opted the idea of nostalgia to get people to spend money on things um the, the titular focus of this book comes in like after a very large buildup, like it's not until halfway or more through the book that you actually hear about He-Man because there's so much background that Brown has to build into have you understand how advertising law works, how television advertising grew and fell and waned and and uh, basically was influenced by the way that t- children were suddenly watching television, right? Um, There's a lot of talk about how public broadcasting had a big part to play and how like Sesame Street is like one of the very few exempted areas of where toys and action figures and other costumes and stuff like that can be advertised because of the way that their monetary structure works and that they're not trying to essentially profit off of filling your brain with nonsense because they are a public good type company. And I don't know if that's changed since the Sesame Street has moved from PBS to HBO. I don't that's a whole other conversation we can have, but. It's very interesting to see how the history of of advertising towards children and then eventually advertising towards adults who were once children um, over that time, like when Transformers and He-Man and stuff came on. Um, it's a really cool thing. And then so as you as the story builds up, Brown talks a lot about how there's like this lack of regulation and then there's people trying to push back against the regulations and how He-Man was essentially created to become a toy. Like the idea was we have a toy, we need to make a TV show because that scoots around this idea of you can't just pump advertisement into children's minds for five, six hours a day. 
on Saturdays. Um, so they're like, well, what if we made a TV show that ran syndicated every day of the week? Uh, we could just replay it over and over and it's free advertisement for toys. Um, a lot of crazy things like there was a Hot Wheels TV show. G.I. Joe was essentially in this same bound. Um, mm-hmm. Comic books get factored into this because comic books had no regulation and kids were buying them like crazy. So Transformers comics become a huge thing. G.I. Joe comics become a huge thing. Essentially, every toy you could think of had a comic at one point because of this lack of regulation and publication and around, around advertisement. And yeah, so I really, really love this because as usual, Brown is telling a specific type of narrative that probably relates to something that he's really interested in at the moment. Uh, it's funny that by the end of this book, I feel like I understood why this book was made because Brown, I think, has a younger child and all they see is Paw Patrol stuff and it's constantly being pumped into like everything that they're doing. And so he probably owns a bunch of their toys because his kid's obsessed with it. And then he kind of reflects on at the end about his own nostalgia in that like he was a kid growing up when Star Wars Episode One came out. So whenever he sees Star Wars stuff, like it mm-hmm. all just floods back because of the way that those movies sold uh toys to you essentially and how lucas george lucas is a portion of this book because of how lucas managed the rights for selling items beyond just the movie so mm-hmm. really cool read i i loved it from beginning to end i highly recommend this i feel like this is up there in terms of the quality of box brown books if they're all fives these are like 5.1s or whatever like tetris is up there is probably my favorite book that he's done um and i think this one is a very very close second in, in terms mm-hmm. of like telling you about something that you probably knew but need more information on i i really loved how in-depth he went with this book so um if you get a chance check it out um Mm -hmm. honestly the last thing i'll say is i really almost wish there was like another 20 to 50 pages of this book talking about how like advertisement-based storytelling and things like transformers for instance has been used to tell actual meaningful stories right like we know that transformers at this point was just there to kind of sell you Transformers toys. But I feel like if you look at stories like More Than Meets the Eye that came out from IDW a few years back, like 2012, told some really powerful, interesting stories using those characters. And I feel like there is maybe a shift in that we recognize these nostalgia-based things. We actually feel like they're capable of telling real stories rather than just getting you to buy the new Megatron variant that you can buy at the store, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, really interesting. Um, And finally, I'll say, uh, Box Brown also has another Kickstarter, has a Kickstarter going on right now for his web series called Legalization Nation, um, which is a collection of all of his st- strip comics that he's been doing for the last few years, all about how legalization in the United States um, when it comes to marijuana has been a shit show the same way that everyone kind of expected it to go and that there's too much regulation or there's not enough regulation or there's a monopoly over who can grow marijuana and how small businesses are actually harmed constantly by all these regulations that bigger businesses don't have to matter, don't have to handle because they either have tax credits or incentives to not be a part of them or uh, they're completely exempt because of lobbying and it's insane. Fantastic stuff. He's been putting that, that out for a while and I'm, I'm excited to see it collected. Um, as part of that Kickstarter, you can also get his cannabis book that he put out about the illegalization of marijuana in the United States, mm-hmm. which is an entirely racist endeavor, um, by the way, if you didn't know, but both really good books. I'm going to get off my soapbox, but I love Box Brown. <laughs> I appreciate Paul for introducing me to this guy because I'm obsessed. <laughs> so yeah, we I've... just talked about a book about 
the perils of having He-Man be sold to children mm-hmm. via media programs, and then mm-hmm. we just shilled Box Brown for ten to fifteen minutes <laughs> yep. uh, to sell his stuff. Uh, <laughs> this is it's authentic. Okay. It's authentic though. I, yeah, like, it's different. It's okay. Yeah. Like I started reading this book a couple days ago, and I haven't finished it yet. But partway through, I was like, "Oh, you know, you're worried about people selling stuff, but also." Here I am buying Box Brown's book, and then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm that guy in that meme where it's like, oh, so you want to participate in a society while living in the society or whatever. <laughs> right. You know, That's, and I'm like, yeah. oh my God, it's me. It's Nick, me. Hold on. I don't know if you understand this book. We're going to talk about that in the break. Um, let's, let, we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about books that are on the top for a pile. We're going to talk a little bit more with Brandon about his Kickstarter that he's got running right now. So we'll be back in just a second. Welcome back. It's the second half of the show. Um, I had to take a quick breather because we were talking about the problems of streaming services and the digital distribution models for pretty much everything uh, in the break. And I've decided to, I'm just going to take a quick breath. Um, but we're here to talk about comic books still. We're here to talk about specifically books that are on the top of our pile, whether they're new, they're old, or just something you've been meaning to read for a while. Um, to get things started, I'm going to talk about the folks that are hanging out with us on Discord today. Danny is reading Wonder Woman number one, that new Tom King book. Uh, Brian is going to be reading Predator versus Wolverine, a book that I said, why does this exist? No, really, why does this exist? Uh, and Hugh is reading Saga number 66. This is probably should be on the top of my pile, but I got another book. So before we, I guess to get into things, let's just bounce right over to you brandy what is on the top of your pile this week so the very top of my pile this book the first volume of it actually came out a couple weeks ago but i've been looking forward to this book for at least a year if not two years it's joker one operation joker it's a, a manga it's a dc manga okay I've, I've been looking forward to this whenever they first announced it when it was being written in japan when it was first announced before a chapter came out when i heard the synopsis i was like when will i be able to read the english translation and now a year or two years later i finally can uh i'm i'm i already put this in my amazon cart i'm probably going to order it <laughs> later today or something uh i'm looking forward to reading this for note for the people that have no idea what joker one operation joker is about it's basically what if batman i don't remember the reason why what if batman magically got turned into a baby batman got turned into a baby (laughs) and joker scoops him up and he's trying to decide like what he's going to do with batman like i I kill this baby or, or, or I could raise him. I could raise this baby. And, but I don't know, should I raise him to be like my little henchman, like another Joker, or should I raise him to be Batman? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole, (laughs) that's the manga synopsis. And I am so excited to read this book because it's so weird and different. Like first volume's already out. Volume two is coming out early November. Like they're going to have a new volume out like every two or three months. Like I'm, I'm staying on top of this. This is what I'm excited for. I, I, I just looked this up. It's on DC universe, infinite, whatever their streaming services for reading comics. I feel like I have to check this out now. This <laughs> yeah. sounds absurd. I, 
Okay, uh, you've Thanks. you've convinced me. Thank you, Brandon. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I had no idea that this was even a thing. Danny said, as soon as you said the name, Danny in our chat said, yeah. you mean the one with baby Batman? And I was like, hold on. Hold on a second. I've been looking what? forward to this. I'm, I'm ready to read it. Awesome. Paul, had you heard about this at all? I'm just curious. You know, I, I'd seen the images for it, the covers for it. But again, like I'm, I'm sure. so disconnected from manga that I kind of like didn't pay much yeah. attention to it. But mm-hmm. I, I, sh- I do need to read this. Yeah. Here we go. This is just like the Bat manga, right? You just got to get into it. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Uh, Very cool. Well, uh, Nick, let's let's go to you. What's on the top of your pile? Yeah. So I suppose I brought up an all ages MacBook earlier. And so I guess it's only natural that we just gravitate to a not all ages MacBook. Okay. (laughs) Um, So for me, it's definitely going to be the forged number four. Of course, this is written by Greg Rucka with art by um, Mike Henderson and uh, I'm just I'm just so excited for this book. I've really enjoyed the series. Uh, for those who are late to the party, the collected trade of the first three issues, aka the first volume, came out um, earlier this week, I believe. Uh, so it's not too late to get on board. Uh, and for a Greg Rucka book, I'm just shocked and relieved that the second arc is actually kicking off so soon. I don't know if he sort of had a couple issues in the tank before mm-hmm. it started, but... Uh, just uh just super pumped uh love this team love the world building the mechs are great uh the art is fantastic uh just having a great time with this book uh beyond that there are a couple other books that i would just want to highlight coming out this week that are also really great you've got in hell we fight number four uh, by john layman uh and we've got tenement number four that's the lemire sorrentino title uh, just some really, really great stuff. So I think we're sort of spoiled for riches um, this week. Yeah. Yeah. The the Forged remind me, this is the book about like the giant mechs and it's like a magazine sized comic book, right? Like it's just a huge book about huge people inside huge machines, right? Yep. Okay. Just wanted to double check. That's the one. <laughs> it's it's a weird, it's a weird style size book yeah it's very uh, similar to like the the dc black label books mm -hmm. that are just like oversized and no one sells the bags and boards for them so you might as well just (laughs) put them in the fucking trash after you finish reading them um even though they're beautiful books like i don't know what i'm gonna do with my aquaman andromeda books but um they're definitely sitting on a shelf and i don't know i'm just gonna be like that guy that has a stack of magazines sitting in a bookshelf um anyways uh for me let me talk about a book that i'm reading Hexagon Bridge number one. This is a an image book that I remember seeing pitched a while ago. Like I saw the cover for this and I said, cool, it's got two words in it that I think sound awesome together. And uh, that's all that I really need, I guess, to try a book. Uh, this is written and drawn by Richard Blake. And I'll be completely honest, we got a copy of this from Image and I'm read about two thirds of it. And it is damn good. It is super cool, beautiful watercolors and pencils um it's all about parallel universes and cartography visions and dreams robots ai like all together smashed into this book um blake has apparently been working on this book since 2019 and it is completely obvious like this book looks like so much passion and detail and like love went into this story um it's very sci-fi it kind of reminds me of after yang if you ever saw that movie Mm -hmm. has like this solar punkish feeling but like there's this question of these two people went into this parallel universe they never came back and no one knows why so there's a lot of like question marks throughout the first issue uh, again i haven't finished it but uh it's unbelievably beautiful uh it's a very like heady feel to it and if you're looking for something that's kind of like 
weird and dreamlike in the way that it's presented to you as a story. This book really kicks ass. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really, really cool, I think. Um, I don't know if this is a miniseries or if it's ongoing or whatever. It might be a five issue series. But nonetheless, I'm really, really into this book. And I think everybody should go out and give this random book a chance because I think it's going to be one of those like sci fi sleeper hits that you're going to come back to in a couple of years and go, holy shit, this guy like had a really cool idea that's very revolutionary in the way that it explores some of these ideas of sci-fi and machinery and, and AI and parallel universes and stuff. So um, really, really digging it. Uh, like I said, I got a lot from the first two thirds of this book and I feel like I'm very excited for the way where this is going to go. I'm telling you every once in a while image puts out these books that you're like, holy shit, like <laughs> how did I not hear about this? So I'm, I'm very glad that I stumbled across this wherever I did. But um, Paul, to wrap us up before we talk a little bit more about Brandon's uh, Kickstarter, yeah. what's on the top of your pile? I mean, this is probably the most on brand choice I could have outside of a Batman or Judge Dredd comic. And that is sure. Jack Kirby's Star Warriors, the adventures of Adam Starr and the Solar Legion. Um, so way back in 1940, uh, Jack Kirby did a little five issue story called the star warriors it was published in crash comics adventures number one um mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like jack kirby's first like sort of cosmic superhero story did even before the first uh, captain america story came out about a year before that uh okay. and this is basically image comics taking that five issue series our five uh, page story giving it to tom scioli who of course is a kirby fanatic and can have mm -hmm. adopt uh, Kirby's work and it's basically a remix they keep calling it a remix of the original comic by Tom Scioli and again two creators whose work is so important to me is Jack Kirby and Tom Scioli I love both of mm -hmm. them so much so the idea of like Scioli taking the sort of like forgotten long lost Kirby story remixing it repackaging it I'm very excited so the little synopsis here I have to read so it's Jack Kirby like you've never seen him before. His first cosmic hero, the pirate hunter Adam Starr, is back in this deluxe remix of Kirby's first space epic series. See Adam Starr in a solo legion of Star Warriors in a battle to the death with killer space pirates Black Michael, Arthak, and their evil armadas. It's a rip-roaring space adventure with a giant man-eating space worms, gargantuan alien killer fish, and planetary nuclear annihilation. So even... In 1940, Kirby was going full Kirby. I love that. Yeah. So I cannot wait to see what's in, what's in store for this comic. Now, really quick, is this an officially <laughs> sanctioned thing that Scioli's doing, or is it like the Jack Kirby biography where it was like not approved <laughs> and he still did it? Well, I have to imagine that, you know, because it is credited to Jack Kirby's Star Warriors, there must be some sort of copyright you know, sure. there, right. Sure. It's, it's not like they're just calling the star warriors and throwing Jack Kirby's name on it. I do think it must be sanctioned by the family in some, some regard. So, okay. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, I was going to get this regardless, but I'm just, <laughs> just curious if you knew, um, the cover alone is like super like retro sci-fi shit. That is, I love, I love so it much. It really speaks to me. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I guess, uh, the last thing we have to do today is talk a little bit more, Brandon. Brandon, you have a new Kickstarter that's running right now. Um, maybe for folks that didn't hear it in the first half, could you tell us a little bit more about this Kickstarter and and why this book is even coming out in the first place? What what's drove you to make this book? So ultimately, what drove me to make this book is it's Tales from Town City number one, and this is a spinoff of a comic I've been working on and issues have been put out. That comic is called The Gallows Man. Tales from Town City is a spinoff of that series. Uh, you don't have to read The Gallows Man to enjoy Tales from Town City. It's all self-contained. It's an mm -hmm. anthology you can enjoy. But I do want to mention with The Gallows Man, it's basically 1960s Adam West Batman meets Inglorious Bastards. So 
He's it's set in the 1940s. He's beating up and killing Nazis all while having the campy lines and stuff like Adam West, the fun jovialness of Adam West Batman, all while all this violence takes place. So Tales from Town City spins off from that and follows some of the minor characters within that Gallows Man world. Like you have two villains, eh, villains, because really, how bad are they? Have quotes, uh, yeah. Named Rusty <laughs> Hook and Hypno Ray, who are homeless villains who find some expired coupons in a dumpster and are trying to use these expired coupons in a convenience store. You have a mortician who is trying to make sense of dead villains' names, just arguing to himself and, and just butchering the, these, these, these villains as he's just talking about like, like, okay, your name's the frog. You're dressed as the frog makes sense. You, on the other hand, like your name's okay. the jackal. <laughs> like you don't even resemble a jackal. You wear a green suit. Why, why aren't you named the green gangster? It's not a, not a great name. It's better than the jackal. So it's just him losing his <laughs> mind talking to these dead bodies all while he's incinerating them. Um, and then the last one is Fierce Pets. And Pets, like I mentioned before, is the acronym. It's Precise Ecosystemic Tactical Squad. Uh, it's a group of super animals that are on a mission to go slaughter poachers. And it is uh, very funny. It's also very uh, uh, gory and violent, that story is. The other two stories are more conversational slash situation humor. That one is very much action and, and goriness to it. Gotcha. Very cool. Um, well, I see like, you know, just kind of skimming through the Kickstarter here. I mean, like, are you working with a, a team of different artists and stuff on this book or is it, is it just you and one other person? Uh, it's, it's a few people. So Juan Romero is the lead artist or the main artist. He does the art for Tenfold Hypnotism. That's the two villains uh, story as well as Fierce Pets. Um, the artist for the mortician story, that's a shorter story. It's done by Helen Bolton, who does the main art for the gallows man. So just kind of like a nod, getting her to do basically a backup in this. Um, Juan Romero also does the main cover art for this. Nikki powers does the lettering in this. And she's like my go-to letterer. And Thomas Tikas does the variant cover who he does the main cover art for the gallows man. So again, another nod to the gallows man. Nice. Very nice. I'm, I'm kind of curious what made you want to do this as an anthology versus you know, a series of standalone stories. I love anthology series. So I'm, it's kind of cool that you're doing that. So I'm kind of curious what made you make that choice. It was one of those things where I, I have a, basically a whole list of like characters that I want to do at least a little story on uh, in this world. It won't be in the Gallows Man series, but at least something within this world and tells from town city is a way to do that. And I also wanted to add variety, uh, just, just for like people mm -hmm. who, who like reading this stuff, but maybe someone doesn't entirely like the two villains story, but they like the fierce pet story or vice versa. Um, I right. both, I like both stories, but both are two different types of comedy. Um, so, kind of adds variety there as well as not saying it is like a, a uh, astounding tells or, or, or anything like that, where it's like uh, the first appearance and then you get a series later on. That is a possibility though. Cause a lot of people have liked these stories to where in the future, I might do a one shot of each of these type of characters or stories or like a small mini series. 
Um, so ultimately, it's expanding the Gallows Man town city universe as well as seeing what people like while it being a, a like good yeah. like like story a beginning middle end basically nice yeah. and, and for folks at home i guess who are curious like what can what kind of offers are you offering for the uh for the kickstarter supporters and stuff if they wanted to you know go all out or just like get their toes wet yeah yeah so so any budget like this kickstarter is for any budget really like any bit helps from one dollar to 75 dollars there's a tier for anyone uh, for five bucks you can get this comic digitally just for five bucks uh, for ten dollars you can get it physically that's where the the physical tiers start happening at ten dollars at twelve dollars you can get tells from town city number one gallows man number one gallows man number two all digitally so those three comics over 130 pages of comics just twelve dollars digitally uh, there's also T-shirts where it has nice. the fierce pets on the T-shirt and even has the the little logo, like the Wildcats logo, where it's fierce pets and then the acronym mm-hmm. spelt out, um, as well as just, just all kinds <laughs> of stuff. Is If you want to get more than Town City, like the, the physical copy, if you want to get Gallows Man physical copies, that's also there as well. So you can get Tales from Town City 1, Gallows Man number 1, Gallows Man number 2. You can get all that physically as well. There's, there's a ton of tiers with that. And as a bonus, like I, I made these, thought of this like a month, month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. It's not advertised on the Kickstarter. And we do have stretch goals. So we're going to hit stretch goals. Stickers, posters will be added to all the physical tiers. But this isn't advertised on the Kickstarter. Uh, there are coupons that all physical backers will get. I want to highlight this because in the... Tenfold hypnotism story. <laughs> the the two homeless villains. These are the coupons that they get. It's a fifty percent off tinfoil coupon, as well as a fifty percent off can yams coupon. And it's going to be reversed, but I'll I'll read it for you guys. There's also fine print on each of these, and the fine print says offer only available at the supermarket. That's the name of the supermarket in the story. At the supermarket located mm-hmm. in Town City expires August fourteenth, nineteen forty one. So you even have your little your little like <laughs> fine print on coupons as well. Uh, so you're backing the Kickstarter really for the coupons. Comics are just extra. That's just bonus. You, you want these coupons. But but no, so so any physical backers, this is just a little thing I, I thought of a couple months ago and just want to include it with the stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really fun that's really fun um how, how how has been uh working with your your printer ben for for your previous week it's, it looks like you're you're using a, a specific company i guess like why'd you go with them over other other folks i ultimately went with them because uh i went with them last time with uh my horror books disney avenue i went with them right. and the printing quality is is great when it comes to colors like getting the colors to really pop and look good with the the glossy finish mm-hmm. um it turned out really well for the cost, that's another thing. Is, is Comics Wellsprings who I'm going under? It's I'm not sponsored by them. I just think they do they they do good work. Sure. Um, for the quality, it's it's a great price. Like 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 all other quality that's equal to this is like a lot more expensive from other companies. So that's ultimately why I went under them. And it's one of those things where anytime I have issues, whether it's a proof that comes back, I'm like, hey, can you edit this? They're able to do that, even to the point where if there's issues with the print, like a print comes, I, I have like 
20, 50, 100 copies or whatever that have issues with them. Mm-hmm. I take pictures of that, show that to them, and they're willing to replace them without without a cost. So it it's they're they're a good business. Even yeah. if there's issues that you have with them, mm-hmm. they're willing to to settle it. No, that's awesome. I, I I'll be completely honest. Like I'm very uh, I have very little knowledge about like how the whole like printing process works for like creating physical books. And I imagine when you're doing like smaller print print runs, it's a whole other process compared to like a Marvel or a DC or even image, yeah, right? Those <laughs> thousands. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. So like, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you found a company that that's actually able to do that with you really well. Cause I know like we spoke, I spoke with uh, another creator very recently. He talked about how part of his process for getting his printed book was he was going through Zoop and Zoop has like connections to basically make your book go out. So I was curious to know, like, how, you know, I guess, how do you go about choosing which company and stuff? It sounds to me like you worked well with this company. You're just going to continue working with them. um, And, you know, as long as the relationship stays good. That's cool. Awesome. Very cool. Um, Well, Nick, Paul, you guys have any any other questions here, I guess, before we wrap up? Anything you want to make sure we cover before we say goodbye to our good friend, Brandon? Is there uh, any plans to collect this stuff in a, I mean, obviously you're just getting it printed out via the Kickstarter, but down the road, you see like maybe an omnibus or like a trade paperback at some point. Oh yeah. At the very least, there will be trades, uh, both paperback and hardback. Like the Gallows Man, it's going to be a four issue miniseries. (laughs) Issues one and two are already out. Like issue three will come out next year and we'll have issue four out within next year, year and a half. But once that's done, I plan to collect that in trade paperback as well as hardcover. Nice. Um, Tales from Town City is going to be at least three issues long, each issue following different characters and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's going to be at least three issues, if not four. I plan to collect that. And same with Disney Avenue. There's going to be at least one or two more issues of Disney Avenue. I plan to collect those as well. Nice. nice. Yeah, he's got You got a couple wow. you know, pots <laughs> boiling you. over here. I dig it. That's awesome, man. <laughs> I gotta say, and again, I I absolutely love the Adam West Batman series. So it's kind of cool to see you're taking that and kind of like oh. twisting a little bit. So like I, that's a really cool influence that I'm I'm glad to see you kind of tapping into that. It's very appealing. Thank you. It's one it's one of those things where like I I love comics nowadays. Like like comics nowadays are are amazing. There's a lot of great deep philosophical comics. Like like tons of great stuff coming out. Whether whether it's Rom V with with uh, the many deaths of Layla, Layla Star, Tom mm-hmm. King with almost anything he does. I love Tom King's writing most of the time. I'm yeah, yeah Strange yeah, Adventures, yeah. Strange Adventures, and good if he <laughs> on the whole ending. Um, but okay. but there's so much great stuff, like so much like seriousness in comics, which can, which can be good. But sometimes you need a little break, you need a little fun. Like like I love me some Tom King mm-hmm, stuff, mm-hmm. but. Sometimes I, I don't want to be crying in my room again of how bad war is. <laughs> Tom likes to tell us how bad war yeah. is. I, I understand now, Tom. Give me give me a break. Give me a break. It's a real hot take these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. yeah. It, it very opinion. much is. And Tom loves to hammer that home. Um, but yeah, just just a just have a fun time with comics sometimes. Yeah. So, so that's what I like doing with stuff like the gallows man or tales from town city is like, you can dig deeper into it if you want. Ultimately it is a fun time. You can dig deeper into it. Like gallows man, like how we've the desensitization of violence as well as how it harkens back to the golden age of comics where you had literal characters that were murdering muggers and stuff. And five-year-olds are reading it. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to be like him. This dude rocks. I look <laughs> up to this guy. And Gallows Man is basically a hyperization of that reality. Basically. Right. 
you can do that. Or like ultimately these are just fun, funny time comics to kind of give you a break in between like the, the stuff in life as well as some of the, the deeper, sadder stuff that you're reading. Sure. Awesome. Well, I, I think we talk a lot on the show about sort of wanting or even needing those books out there that maybe aren't as tonally dark as, you know, super, super serious books that aren't hyper serialized and emphasize all these different tie-ins and all these different interconnected things you have to read. So I, I just really appreciate that you're you're really leaning into um, one anthology books, which mm-hmm. I know um, um, I think it, f- it feels like they're always a hard sell mm-hmm. like these days. I mean, I love them. I absolutely love them, whether it's like an anthology series on TV or an anthology series in comics. But it seems like they're so rare that um, like I always seek them out. And then on top of that, uh, as you mentioned, with, with some of your works, I just appreciate stuff that is um you know, just less tonally dark in that offers something that isn't quite as difficult to sort of mm-hmm. parse through. And, and also just to have a book that once you're done dealing with sort of these, you know, darker or tougher books, you've got sort of a palate cleanser or something alternative to read, especially mm-hmm. if it's like kind of like your, your, your comic book nightcap, right? Where it's like, well, if I, if I read this before I go to bed, I might actually go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I I just appreciate that like those are sorts of things that you're interested in because obviously these are sorts of genres and 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 things that are just more difficult to find these days. Well, Nick, we got to get you on uh, on Kickstarter because uh, there are tons of anthologies, um, but we can talk about more of that um, after the show. Well, we'll thank you for finding another venue for me to just shovel money into. I just really appreciate (laughs) it. Don't give your money to Amazon. Instead, give it to indie creators. Why don't you talk to me about 40K miniatures and Magic the (laughs) Gathering while we're at it? Give your money to Hasbro instead of Amazon. One corporation to another. Yeah. Anyways, uh, before I get on that soapbox, uh, I'm going to wrap this up here. Uh, Brandon, for folks that may want to follow along with your Kickstarter and everything else you've got going on, where can they find you on the internet? So yeah, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok under Dismay Comics. That's D-I-S-M-A-Y Comics. I got to spell the Dismay because sometimes it sounds like a Southern version of Disney. I'm saying Disney or something. So Dismay, trying to (laughs) depart from the mouse. Don't want the mouse knocking at my door. Um, Disney comics, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. You can keep up to date with the different books I'm working on. Gals, man, tells from town city, Disney Avenue, as well as other series in the future. Um, and you can find the Kickstarter through pretty much my bios on all of those. Like the link is there. You can check out the Kickstarter page, check out the, the silly, dumb trailer. I think the trailer is great. I I like put an effort in that type of stuff. Um, as well as, uh, yeah. Check out my stuff. Check out other indie creators. And yeah. Awesome. We'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes for the show as well. So folks don't have to go searching on the internet. We want to make this as easy as possible. But thank you so much for your time today, Brandon. It's been really fun to chat with you. Um, Next week on iRead Comic Books is the beginning of a two-part series that I've decided to put myself through where I watched 
all of the Transformers movies, and now I get to talk about them. Uh, our special guest for next week is going to be our good buddy Kev, who's been on the IRCB Movie Club a couple times to talk Spider-Man with us. Instead, he's going to be here on the public feed to talk all things Transformers comics. We're going to go into deep detail about the insanity that was Transformers The Last Night, as well as the other <laughs> movies, including Bumblebee, and I'm going to watch Beast Wars this week. It's going to be wild. Brian, Danny, and I are going to be chatting with Kev. It's going to be funny. Xander, if you could just put the Transformers like you know that weird noise that they do right here i'd appreciate that <laughs> um, as always you can follow us on instagram tiktok discord we've got our goodreads we've got a youtube i've got a brand new website at ircbpodcast.com so go check that out you can support us on patreon to get access to things like the ircb movie club uh as well as a bunch of other series that we have going on including a better batmobile mike's x-men blind box which is apparently becoming a regular thing um plus so many other things um and you if you're interested you can also follow along for free at patreon.com slash ircb podcast where you just get updates about different things as we post them publicly over there um infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music and i just bought brand new copies of their vinyl um albums specifically their ep001 which is one of the best instrumental like chip tunes albums you can ever buy as far as i'm concerned um xander fills his pockets with the dust of the wishes never fulfilled i don't know what i wrote there i want to say thank you to nick and paul double thank you to brandon again for coming on the show thank you to brian for proof listening and until next time comics are good and so are you